Welcome to In the Eyes Of. The following episodes are in collaboration with the feminist collective group called Yabasta Nuevo León. We will explore stories, personal narratives, and the difficulties that women in Mexico are living through at the moment. I hope you enjoy the episodes. Eugenia, welcome to In the Eyes Of. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your age? What are you studying right now? Okay, my name is Eugenia Posas. I'm 22 years old. I'm studying law at Tecnológico de Monterrey in Mexico. And well, for all of those who are tuning in and you probably don't know or don't recognize the name of Eugenia, Eugenia co-founded, along with other two girls, this feminist collective group, I would say, organization called Yavasta Nuevo León, which in English translates to It's Enough. Nuevo León, Nuevo León being the region or the state both Eugenia and I live or are from. So Eugenia, can you tell us a little bit about how this collective started or what motivated you to start it? Yes, the collective began at the end of 2019 because there was a general frustration from the women in the country. There was a, a lot of uh, rising cases of feminicides and the murder of a lot of women. There was a, a rise in gender violence and violence against women. In fact, in Nuevo León, well, the state is known for being the third most dangerous uh, state for women in, in the matter of the murder of women. So and it's also very known for being the state in which a lot of women suffer domestic violence from their partners. So there was this general frustration going around and two girls, Roberta and Victoria, invited, invited me to become a part of Yabasta Nuevo León. And we grew a lot in the following months, but in, in, like, in essence, we were just us three starting this project that wanted to uh, make available the resources for women to know what the situation was, to spread consciousness about uh, what was happening in Mexico, as well as in the states of Nuevo León. And well, starting one of these projects in Mexico can be really challenging because often you don't know how society will take it. Still, because there's this misconception that feminists are just angry women who don't care about men, even hate men, when in reality it's quite the opposite. It's, as you say, we're just frustrated with all the violence that we're constantly living. So what would you say were your motivations personally? Like, did this inspiration, this kind of formation or ideas were already within you when you started this collective organization or how did this come to you? I would say they were. My most important influence was my mom. She has always been uh, an inspiration to me. Since the beginning, she's been very hardworking. She has a professional career. She has a PhD. She is very, very powerful in everything she does with her life. And I always saw her as an inspiration of, of what a woman like me should, uh, should aspire to be when she grows up. And she taught me that even though it was historically known that women didn't have voices, she taught me that I do have a voice and I should raise it when uh, I thought that it was prudent to do so or appropriate to do so. So she taught me how to 
fight for the things I want to see, for the change I want to see in the world, because she's actively doing so in, with the lifestyle she leads. And well, in the Spanish episode, we were talking about how, as a child, you were always really interested in learning, you know, like reading from a young age. Can you tell us a little bit about that, about how your habits actually started building this incredible person that you are today? Yes, my mom and my dad really encouraged me to read from a very, very young age. So I always read a lot. I read everything that was available to me. By the age of 12, I already considered myself a pro-life in the matter of abortion, which is crazy because at 12 years old, you don't even understand the ramifications or the consequences of what this debate entails for a majority of women. So I would say that Progressively, I became more feminist in the in the views I was adopting through the manner of what I was reading, what I was listening to, but mostly reading. The what what I read really influenced my points of view, and well, by the age of fifteen, I already considered myself a feminist. And I'm kind of curious: Do you have any examples or of these books that or articles? I don't know what you were reading that really marked and shaped your ideas and your thoughts or your life in general? I was just reading a lot of women in general. Virginia Woolf, uh, I was reading Bell Hooks, um, I was reading also Angela Davis. I was reading a lot of books that were not just about feminist theory, but also about, uh, for example, female protagonists who were out there saving the world. Or, you know, books uh, about fantasy with female protagonists or books like, for example, by Jane Austen with Pride and Prejudice, which really emphasizes the inner life of women. And that, and that I think subconsciously made me think that women have a valid viewpoint of the world and it should be represented in the public discussion. So I was just reading women in general and about women and about women's issues. It was kind of like a ladder that I climbed in that manner. And I think that's very, very interesting because of the words you're choosing to express yourself with, you know, like this inner voice, these powerful women, women who were taking the reins of their own life, who were the protagonists. And you mentioned with your mom too, that your mom is very powerful, not only in who she is, but what she does. So what does powerful or power mean to you? And how do you like find it in your life? I think that power comes from within. It is something that you cultivate. It is something that you work to cultivate. You work to have it from the formation or the kind of lifestyle you choose to live or the kind of readings you choose to surround yourself with. And that power that you cultivate inside of you, you share it with the world because if it only stays inside of you, I don't think you're powerful. I think you're powerful when you begin to share that inner power to the rest of the world you begin to spread that power and make others feel powerful as well. You share the power with your community so that your community becomes even better than how it was before. And I think that's what power really means, that real power is shared. It's not just concentrated or accumulated on one person. It's a collective resource that people use to make the world a better place. And I love that. I not only love it, but I agree so much with it because I think the majority of the problems that we have as a society in general, globally, not just in Mexico, but everywhere, 
would be solved if this power would be shared among the masses, among everyone. How would you describe yourself? And not only how would you describe you, but how would your mom, your father, your siblings, your friends describe you? That's a difficult, <laughs> that's a difficult one. I would describe myself as a poet. I think I see the world through a poet's eyes because of all the literature and all the and all the poetry I used to read as a child and that I read now. I am a romantic by heart. I see the world not as it is, but as it should be. I think I believe that all people are good by nature and that if only we worked a little harder, everyone could be better, including myself, and create the world we really want to see. I think that because of because I write a lot, I think that my writing, my poetic writing, is a resource that I use for myself to evaluate and love the world around me. So not only to understand the world, but to also love it as it is, but also as it could be. That's how I would describe myself as a poet. I think my mom and dad would describe me as a bit of an opinion, opinionated woman. <laughs> because I have a lot of opinions and I always bring them out on the dinner table. I'm not afraid to show or demonstrate what I think and they're fine with it. <laughs> they're okay with it, but uh, sometimes they do tell me to slow down, to eat my dinner and it's, and it's fine. But I would say they, they admire me for it as well. I would say my siblings think that I'm playful with them. I question them. I also dare them to think differently. But it's okay because with your loved ones, I think debating and questioning your loved ones is a way of showing love because it means that you are getting into a profound conversation about who each person is and about what we want to be in this world. And I think that is what love is, discovering who you are and who you want to be with the world. So my, my friends, did you also mention friends? Yes, I did. I, I hope that my friends think that I am loyal and that I am caring about them because I care about them very, very much. And I hope they think I am creative and fun to be around someone who is always smiling or friendly to them because I care about them a lot and I want them to think about me that way. I guess I am describing myself as I want to be, not necessarily as I am. I hope I am this person, but really this is like the description of who I want to be as a person. That actually brings me to the next question I wanted to ask you, which is what is this inner narrative or this inner yearn? I guess it's the word in English that you seek to be, you know, what is the values or the, the person that you wish to irradiate to the other people who are around you or who just get to listen to your name and know who you are? Because I think that at, at this point, a lot of people recognize your name and know what you do. I want to be perceived as a person who is firm on her opinions, but not closed off to different points of view or different perspectives. I always want to be open to receive different points of view. I want people to be able to approach me and ask me questions because I like to answer them. I like to interact with people and to make a connection with people. I think that through connections with people, you may you come to more profound realizations of the world and you can, in that way, work towards a world that you both want to see, both you and the person you are talking to. So I want to be open. I want to seem approachable to and friendly to the people that have a lot of questions about what I stand for. However, I want to be perceived as firm 
on my opinions and my values. I want the people to know that I will stand by them no matter what and that I will not change my values. My values being compassion, empathy, love, justice, and the things that make the world a better place to live in, uh, a connection with people, a connection with the environment. Those values are not something I would trade for anything else. And if I if I seem approachable, it would be because that connection only reinforces my values. It would not be a, it would not be an interaction that uh, that makes them lesser or that makes them less powerful. On the contrary, I want those interactions or connections to make my values even more powerful and more strong against what the world against like the problems that we see in the world and interestingly enough i well i think i've said this a lot quite often in this episode but i love what you're saying and i think you already radiate or perceived at least to me in that way in the sense that you are firm you're serious when you have to be but you're also very well open to listen to other people and empathetic to what others have to say so we're heading near the end of the episode and In this podcast, I seek not to only know about the projects of the people, because yes, these projects are amazing, but I believe that also the person who brings them to life is just as equally amazing and important too, because we are more than what we do. So this question is, what are some of the upcoming challenges, either personal or professional, that you will be facing and how do you plan to overcome them? I think my greatest weakness that I really have to work on if I want to be the person I wish to become is that I have to control my temper better or my emotions. I have to handle them better in a way that is productive and beneficial for the society, society around me. I am very impulsive when it comes to anger. When I become angry, I explode at the person and just just, just let them know that I'm, that I'm angry at them, you know? And that's not really... A beneficial thing to do it makes me feel better right after the fact but it doesn't make me feel better in the long-term process because i know i've hurt them along the way i think there's two types of anger that we really need to recognize and know them to to use them the first kind of anger is a vigilante kind the vigilante kind is a kind of anger that you use to uh, for example use against injustice, against grave injustice around the world. So, for example, the feminist cause uses this type of anger to go out into the streets and protest because their their anger is justified and their anger seeks to create a better society that, that improves their conditions as, as women. So this vigilante kind of anger is productive to society because it produces better conditions for the world around us. On the other hand, we have destructive anger. Destructive anger is personal. It's the one I was talking about, that you explode at the person you love or at a stranger, and it, it, it's not beneficial to them. It only harms them further, and this is not what you want. You want to convert construct, uh, destructive anger into vigilante, yeah, vigilante kind of anger, to turn this anger into a powerful force to seek justice. So this is what I would like to do, to learn how to convert these this, um, this strong emotions that I feel into something productive. To turn anger, for example, into love or justice or compassion towards the world. Which is exactly, I think, what you're doing with 
ya basta Nuevo León, you know, like turning this frustration, this anger into, like you said, vigilante anger. So now that we're at the end of the episode, is there something else you want to emphasize on, something you want to remind people of, besides listening to the next episodes that will be about the collective? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the next, no, I'm joking. Uh, you should, I really, really, really like the concept of this podcast. I think that beyond learning about projects that are changing the world, we should also learn about the people behind the projects that are changing the world. I think you, as a person, Georgina, Georgina, are a person, you are a person that is changing the world. You are creating spaces in which people can tell their narrative or tell this, their story. And I think telling stories is a powerful resource to change the world around us. So I am really, really, really happy that I am here, that you invited me. I am grateful that you gave me the space to speak and to be honest about the about my life and about what I need to work upon. So thank you so much for making this possible, not only for me, but for others. And that's really what I wanted to say, that you are a wonderful person for creating this podcast. And thank you for inviting me and creating this space for my story. No, thank you. Thank you for all of the words you've said. That's so nice. And most importantly, I think for your honesty, not only throughout all of the conversations that we've had in general, not just this one, but your honesty and vulnerability here in the podcast, because I think that's very important to recognize that we all struggle. We're all humans going to similar issues, if not the same. So I want to thank you for that. I think you're an incredible woman ever since I came across your profile. And I'm really grateful that we connected the way we did. Because you're, you're incredible. Like your voice, your narrative and your whole perception of life is just very humbling. So thank you so much, Eugenia. And I would really encourage everyone to listen to the next episode. Thank you so much for having me here. I had a wonderful time.